It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. That's right. We are live here from the town, from Ricky Henderson Field, as we get you ready for the Athletics going to be taking on the Texas Rangers. Batting practice is going on as we speak for the Athletics. And I got to tell you, it is an absolute beautiful day here in Oakland, California. Good to see Chad Pender out taking ground balls right now. Starling Marte is walking by as he'll be in the lineup today against a Texas Rangers team where you're kind of like, who? Who are these guys? After all the trades and everything has gone on, uh, this is a far different team. And the Athletics, let's be honest, they need to feast on these guys. And this is a triple-A lineup, if you could ever talk about a triple-A lineup in big league baseball. They've made all the trades. They're in full rebuild mode. The big deal today, and it's really, really sad. And, you know, guys still are taking substances that are banned by Major League Baseball. Guys are still testing positive. And they're risking big paychecks. They're risking their career. And, uh, and it's, you know, sad that Ramon Laureano has been suspended for 80 games. I'll let you, Cody, try and uh, uh, pronounce it. What is the uh, drug that he tested positive for? Uh, Nandrolone is what I'm, <laughs> is what I'm going to say. But this the same thing happened a couple years ago when we tried to pronounce what happened with Frankie Montas when that happened. Oh, that was way worse. That was way harder than this. Yeah, yeah this is – so I, I Googled it for you. Uh, I called you to let you know when this happened. I Googled it, and according to WebMD, I'm no expert. Uh, I'm just getting married to someone that's an expert. But I didn't even ask her what it was because well, – well, let's, 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 How would she know? She, she delivers – she, she delivers babies, so what does she, she know? Yeah, she's delivering babies, not dealing with anabolic steroids. Yeah, well, that's what, according to WebMD, that's what it says it is. So it's an 80-game suspension for Ramon for Nandrolone. Uh, and according to David Force and Martin Gallegos on Twitter, Seth Brown will be coming up to join the A's tonight. Join the A's tonight. So Seth Brown will be back from a AAA Las Vegas. So I've had a couple of people text me since this come out. No, he's not eligible to play for the rest of the year. No, he's not eligible to play in the playoffs. You will not see Ramon Laureano until 2022. And it's just, it's sad. I wonder, and we'll ask David, is this because of the injury? If you remember, he was injured, never went to the minor leagues, 
Did he try to speed up the recovery process? You know, the, the, the deal is this. Everything that a human being needs is in that clubhouse, legally. Anything that they need, any kind of protein shake, any kind of recovery thing, any kind of whatever is legal is in the clubhouse. Everything in the clubhouse has been approved by Major League Baseball. If you go outside the clubhouse and you take something, you're running the risk of testing positive. You've been warned. You've been told. You know the deal. You're a professional athlete. I'm not even going to read the statement because there's no point to. Folks, you don't, an anabolic steroid doesn't get in your system because you ate Reese's peanut butter cups. All right? It's not because it was in your steak dinner. All right? And they don't sell anabolic steroids at a place like GNC. You can't walk in and go, hey, can I get steroids? That doesn't happen. So these athletes always know what they're putting in their body. And you're running the risk and you're hoping you don't get caught. We still to this day have never had one guy who tests positive for steroids. And they debate whether the how it got in their body and they're going to find this out. We've never had one guy ever come back and go, oh, this is how it happened, Big Poppy. No one has ever, you know, when A-Rod denied it, no one, Rafael Palmero, no one has ever come back and said, oh, I got it from this substance and this is why I should be cleared. They always tell you they're going to figure out the answer. They never figure out the answer. Or you can blame the FedEx guy, i.e. Uh, Ryan Braun. Yes, right. Yeah, the guy was out to get him. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the same it's the same thing. Um, you run the risk, and they're going to test everybody at some point. And if you got something dirty in your system, you're going to get caught. And you're going to you're going to if if you do the do the crime, you're going to do the time. I mean that that is the bottom line, and that's what's happening with Ramon Laureano, and it's sad. But you know what? Just like what we saw in the past, whether it's Frankie Montas, whether it's Bartolo Colon, it's a next man up mentality. And you just have to move on. And luckily, the A's made those trades that I think they can withstand this. Because now you take a guy so versatile like Josh Harrison and you move him into left field, and you take Mark Canna, you put him in right field, you got Marte in center. I mean, my God, if the A's didn't make those deals right before the deadline, what would we be talking about today? It'd be it'd be some doom and gloom, but it's not like Ramon Laureano's having this un, unbelievable year. He's gotten some hits lately, took his average from the 230s up into the 240s, but if you're telling me you have to replace a guy who's hitting in the 240s, that's doable. That's definitely doable. Now, it would have been easier with, with the waiver wire process if that was still around where you claim a guy off the waiver process and you can still get him. But obviously, that is gone. And you, 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 can't, you can't improve your team anymore when, once you're in August. But that's why I think it's so critical of what the A's did at the deadline. They can withstand this. I think there's no question about it. And now it, it, it becomes, you know, can Stephen Piscotty, and that's something that we'll ask David and we'll probably have Bob Melvin on tomorrow, is is he healthy? And can he get it going? 
Because if you had a healthy Stephen Piscotty that you can put out in right field, that would be a situation that would really help this ball club. Yeah, well, you look at Piscotty's numbers and the limited playing time he has. If you're looking just at the baseball reference, back of the baseball card for this year. Oh, thank you, Mr. Cliche. Uh, it, the numbers aren't great. I mean, he has five home runs, 207 average, 14 RBI, and he has a negative war. But he played sparingly. He's been injured. But he's been a plus player when he act, when he actually is on the field and healthy. We saw it a couple of years ago when he had over what twenty seven home runs. He was a, he was a top prospect in the Cardinal system, so you know what he can what he can do. And you're bringing back Seth Brown. He he, he has a lot of power, but that's that's about it. I mean, the average isn't is there. Is he even but, hitting two hundred when uh, he's up here? I don't think he I was. I think he's still in the one ninety. But he had but he had what twelve home runs when he was up here. So you have you got the home run power with him. But Ramon on the year was hitting two forty six. He had the fourteen homers, the thirty nine RBI, and the twelve steals. So. I mean, we were talking about him maybe being a 2020 guy, which it looked like he was going to be easily when the year was starting because he had so many stolen bases the first month of the season. But uh, you're right, though. The, the move to get Marte at the deadline was something that, that helped bolster this, and, you know, they can withstand it now with Josh Harrison's versatility to be able to play in the outfield. And that's, uh, that's a big key going forward because now you can put him out there. You have Jed play second base. You can have Moreland DH. You can even have Piscotty DH if you need to uh, against – um, against lefties, so there you go. I mean, that's something you could do in, 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 the, in, the, in the meantime. And then, you know, next year you'll get Ramon back sometime next year during the season because it's 80 games. I forget how many games are left this season. So it'll be somewhere like – Oh, we got basically two months of baseball. Yeah, so you got, what, April next year probably? April, early May maybe next year is when you'll see Ramon back with the A's. And the statement that was originally put out by the A's before David Forrest and, and Bob Melvin spoke was – Hi, Vince – that's a great Vince Catronio yeah, right there. I was there. wondering who was, was tapping me. I mean, when you talk about rock star of rock stars. By the way, you're coming on the air, Roxy. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. All right. Yeah. All right. That's right there. Trash can's behind us. Uh, Have a great call, uh, Vince. Yeah. The, the A's were disappointed to learn of the suspension. We fully support MLB's joint drug prevention and treatment program. We will welcome Ramon back after the discipline has been served. So uh, that's the statement that was put out as, as the news came down about Ramon Laureano. Uh, about, about two hours ago. So, yeah, it's sad. I mean, good thing this is coming against the Rangers, not when the Yankees are in town, because the Yankees are a game and a half back. They're playing really well. The Blue Jays are playing really well. The Red Sox are kind of scuffling. We're not talking wild card. Well, we only talk division on this show. Well, okay, as right. the A's are only four games four back. Four games back, and the Astros just put Yuli Gurriel on the IL. You know, we've been playing a lot of these greatest games in Oakland A's history, and one guy keeps popping up in these highlights. And, Mike, it is great to hear your voice. And uh, we've been talking a lot about you lately. We miss you. How are you down in Anaheim? <laughs> uh, it's You know, if, if I have to be somewhere else other than Oakland, Anaheim's not a bad place to hang out. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. I, really, uh, I really appreciate the new management in here. Uh, Perry and Alex Tammon, they've been done a hell of a job with, uh, uh, you know, the way they handle the staff and they, the information they give us and the voice they give us. So it's, it's, uh, it's exciting to be with a group of, of people that uh, really want your input. And, um, you know, and then, of course, you know, our leader, Joe Madden, he's a treat every single day to, to be able to stand next to him every day and, and um, uh, learn from him. Uh, I'm very fortunate. Let's put it that way. I'm very fortunate at this point. You know, with Joe, like, I've never interviewed him. I've never met him. But he, but he seems like really a hell of a guy, like just like good people. What's it like to work for him? Uh, you hit it right on the nose. Hell of a guy. No doubt about it. Um, as far as um, in tune 
with every single pitch. It's amazing how you can sit there and talk to them about uh, uh, the newest restaurant that's in the area or uh, a golf swing uh, or how he missed that putt. And uh, and then all of a sudden he's yelling at he's barking at umpire about a pitch that's out, out inches outside. You know his his mind how it works is is um, not like most people. He's he's really um, he really uh, is the guy that um, calms everything down. Uh, he you never see him uh, anxious about anything, um, but he will protect his players and his staff. Uh, at the drop of a hat, you know, and um, yeah, he's he's pretty intense um, when it comes to the, the baseball side of things. But um, you wouldn't think it when if you're sitting next to him in the dugout because we are talking about, uh, like I said, from golf to restaurants to music. Uh, he's very very eccentric. He's he's uh, a lot of fun to be around, no doubt. I hear he's got a hell of a wine cellar. Have you been able able to tap into that? Uh, we're working on that. We're working on that. He's moving to uh, Arizona, so he'll be a little closer to me. So uh, hopefully there'll be some barbecues in that big backyard he's got. You know, I think about, you know, what what you did as a player here with the Oakland Athletics, and there's a, a generation of people who will always remember you as one of the great A's during one of the great times. And like I said, Vince Catronio has been doing this series where they're going over the greatest games in A's history. You know the history of the 70s and also what you guys did in the 80s. What does that mean to you that a fan base still today, the way they revere you and think about you is very special? Well, you know, um, obviously it's it's uh, uh, something that um, it's hard for me to accept because I never looked at myself as, you know, one of the great players of, of you know, the teams that I was on. I was very, I was just a piece in my mind, just a piece of the puzzle that helped uh, you know, uh, in any way I can, but, um, for people to like, you know, listening to you and, and hearing Vinny's talking about it and I'm sure Korak and, and all the rest of the fellas over there, uh, it's, it's something that I'm very proud of, obviously to uh, be a part of, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, um, you know, once an A, always an A and, and, um, then to be a part of those winning teams is, is, uh, every once in a while, uh, you know, we'll see a highlight and these players here, in this clubhouse, these young players will look up to me and, and come up to me and say, Hey, I didn't know you played. Uh, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, believe it or not, this little guy played a little bit. And they said, man, you know, you, you, you can pick it. And I said, yeah, you know, that's, if I could hit, I wouldn't probably be coaching right now, but I can definitely pick it and it kept me in the game. So, uh, no, uh, it's something that, uh, I'll cherish, you know, for the rest of my life, obviously. And, and, uh, you know, the, the friendship and the camaraderie of, of my teammates and the coaching staff and the fans, obviously uh, it's something very special to my heart. And, and um, it's something that, um, uh, you know, you'll never forget. And uh, I'm just glad that I was able to uh, experience that. And, and uh, my young, young my family was able to experience that something that uh, uh, they'll never forget either. So it, it's great memories and, and um, something I'm very, very proud of to be a part of, no doubt. You know, when you look back in baseball history and you look at some of the teams that you're on, just so many dynamic, great players and a great era in A's baseball when you're going to World Series and, of course, winning the World Series in 1989. But it just wasn't like a regular team. This was a team that was because I was in high school at the time and we, you know, we idolized you guys. You guys are like rock stars. I mean, to think <laughs> of what the A's were like during that time versus what the A's were before and what they've been since. 
Uh, it's never been the same. Just talk about when you traveled, you guys, it's like, it was like you guys were like the Chicago Bulls before the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, um, uh, you know, going to visiting hotels, uh, we didn't go into the front door. They always drove us around the back and we went into the service elevators um, because there's too much, there's too many people in the, in the lobby. Uh, we couldn't get through. I mean, they, they wanted to see uh, the Oakland A's. They wanted to uh, uh, get an autograph if they can of from Conseco or McGuire. Um, you know, it, it was, it was it, like you said, exactly. We, we felt like, um, you know, we were rock stars because of the way that the fans reacted to us. But when we got in the clubhouse, um, we knew what we had to do. Um, we, uh, you know, did whatever we could to help win a baseball game for the Oakland A's. And that was, that was the main thing that everyone had on their mind. It was amazing how popular and, um, you know, how uh, excited people were to see the Oakland A's. But at the same time, we always respected the opponent. We respected the fans. We respected each other. And we came to the ballpark ready to work every day. And, and obviously that stemmed from Tony. We never took anything for granted. And even though if there was any, ever a team that could take things for granted, these were the teams. But we never did. We took every day like it was our last day to play together. And, and that's how we handled things. That's how we controlled. That's how we kept things um, in, in um, perspective. And uh, uh, we really, the old saying of taking one pitch one day at a time, Tony was amazing how he got these superstars to think that way. And if we didn't, if we got ahead of ourselves, Hey, we were just as vulnerable as the next thing. But the way we thought and the way we, we attacked every single pitch and every single day uh, was tremendous to see, you know, uh, a group of men that were superstars to think that way every day. What's it like today when you guys play the White Sox and you get to see Tony and Tony is back in uniform? What is that like for you? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I was fortunate to have Tony here last year as a uh, uh, counselor, basically uh, for the, you know, assistant for the uh, general manager. So he was with us a lot. Um, you know, it was COVID year, obviously it was, it was a little different, but he was around quite a bit last year. And, and um, it, it was funny to, to be hanging out with him, um, you know, in this aspect, as far as, working together as in the, as the coaching staff. And uh, I never got an opportunity to do that. I just, it was a manager and, and player uh, relationship. And last year I got to do it more of a coaching relationship. And um, he, he, you know, obviously I've, I learned quite a bit that um, there was a lot more respect there from him to me than I, than I thought. Um, he, you know, he asked for a lot of um, advice, you know, because I was with the angels, you know, prior to him coming in here. So he always wanted to know how things worked around here. So now that I see him back on the other side, um, uh, you know, it, the intensity is still there. Obviously there's a few more gray hairs. Well, he colored, he covers them up. So somehow, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, he's, he's always prepared, you know, his team's prepared. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see how uh, he deals with the, the millennials. And I, you know, uh, his old school ways, uh, he sneaks them in there, you know, they're still millennials, but he still has, um, uh, he's, he, you know, who's in charge of that ship. And, uh, Tony's, um, always going to be that guy. And, and, uh, he's a leader and, and those guys seem to have, to have accepted him and understand his ways. And, um, 
you know, look what they're doing as a team. You know, they're, uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, toughest teams out there at this point and um, doesn't surprise me at all. But it kind of surprised me to see him back in the dugout, no doubt. He's, we're all getting a little older and it's amazing that he can still go out there at his age and, um, and grind and battle the way he still does. Well, it's hard not to marvel at Shohei Otani. I mean, this is uh, this story is just incredible. A guy that can lead the league in home runs, run the way he does, throw the ball 100 miles an hour in all the different pitches, and, and he seems, you know, we talk about Joe Madden be a hell of a guy. He seems like he's a hell of a guy. Uh, what's it like to be around Shohei Otani every day? And it's just, is this the greatest skill set you've ever seen? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, you can compare, you know, you can bring, you know, the guys that I've played with, obviously, the Conseco, uh, Ricky Henderson's, uh, you know, the, the superstars of the day back then that were uh, multi-talented, you know, with speed and power. Um, but you throw in the pitching side of things and you go, oh, that's right. He pitches, too. You know, you keep forgetting because, you know, he pitches once every five days. So um, until he's on the mound, you don't really think of him as a pitcher, obviously, because he's such a force in our lineup as a DH and a base dealer. Um, so it's, it's a tremendous. It's amazing when you sit there and watch and put it all together and go, wait a minute, you know, as a bench coach, now I'm, um, I've got him in the lineup in the American league game and he's hitting for himself. And you know, you're, 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 you're like, wait, there's no DH. He it's, it's just, it's just mind boggling, you know, and the guy can go out there and you think, okay, well, I'm pitching today. Uh, I'm not going to run today. You know, I don't, I don't, he comes in, First thing he does comes in the morning and asks me, "Hey, what is the pitcher's times?" He wants to know their times. He wants to know how to catch your throws. He wants to know, you know, he, you know, he wants to run all the time. We have to shut him down at times because he he's he's ready to go at all times. So um, the energy, um, the power, the speed, uh, the enthusiasm, the fun this kid has, and the light. Everyone just loves this guy. He treats everybody. Um, very, very respectful with, without the bowing, he's so respectful, you know, and, and, uh, it's definitely something that, um, uh, you know, one, one thing, let's put this one thing I said to myself as a player that I wish I had done, I never was much of a a collector of items of any type, but I wish one thing I wish I would have done, I wish I would have taken more pictures with my teammates and the coaches that I've passed played through with this. Now that I'm older, I definitely got to get a picture of this guy with me because he's going to be talked about, you know, forever. Uh, This is something that we're all uh, getting a chance to see for the, you know, with our own eyes and uh, you know, the, the disbelief of what he does every day is easy to do to understand, but you better believe it because this guy's for real and he's one of the best I've ever seen. It, it reminds me of Little League. You know, the one guy who's the best pitcher, he's the best hitter, he's the best running the bases. You know, there was always that one guy in Little League that's better than everybody else at everything. But this isn't Little League. This is Major League Baseball. It's crazy. Major League Baseball. Yeah, he, he definitely belongs in another league, no doubt about it. The one the one above this one. He's, he's that good. It's amazing. It's And, and to watch, watch his, his peers you know, watch in awe of him and, and get excited to see what he's doing. I mean, you got Mike Trout cheering his butt off every single day that this guy comes to the plate, you know, and, and wait, can't wait to see him swing the bat. So it, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And he definitely is the all-star of the little league team. No doubt about it. So here at my home studio, let's end on this. 
Uh, speaking of collecting stuff, I have stuff over the years, all the years working for the A's. I can look at my Raleigh Fingers bobblehead or my Ricky Henderson or my Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, you name it, Sean Doolittle, Matt Chapman. But I still have the only time the A's have put out what we call an action figure is the Mike Gallego, a third base coach, where your arm, you wind up your arm. You're the only guy ever in A's history to have an action figure. Well, <laughs> that is something that, you know what, um, that is my gold gloves that I never, that I never got, you know, uh, to, for me to have an action figure from the Oakland A's, um, that, that put the icing on, on the cake for me, for my career. I knew, uh, I obviously was appreciated from, from the organization, from Billy and, 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 um, the fans, uh, uh, you know, always treated me well there. And, and, um, you know, for me to sit here and, and have my own action figure, like I said, it, it's the gold glove that I always wish I had an opportunity to get and never got. And, uh, it's something that I'm very proud of. And, um, it's, it's uh, matter of fact, Joe Madden has one on his desk right now. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I guess, you know, you, you put your name, um, on the, on the, uh, on the block when, uh, when you get an action figure, no doubt about it. And uh, not too many people can say they have one. And, um, like I said, I, I can't believe it, but, uh, I'm very proud of it. And, and I, I'm very thankful for the A's organization to, uh, uh, put me on that little, little guy with a uh, winding arm, no doubt about it. Well, this fan base will always love you and you'll always be in Oakland A and we miss you. We wish you all the best with the family and be well and be safe. And let's talk soon. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you uh, for uh, even thinking about talking to me. Appreciate it. And Vince Catronio, one of the voices of your Oakland Athletics, joins us here as we get you ready for A's baseball. Vinny, I think it was kind of big to have an off day yesterday. From Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, how are you? Uh, I thought it was big to have the off day yesterday because it allows the guys who met up with the team – down in Anaheim, who now have to come to the Bay Area, you get a day to settle in wherever they're going to live, probably in a hotel somewhere in San Francisco, and just to kind of like breathe a little bit. Sure. And then get ready to go again today. Well, I asked Jay Hay that very question. When did you learn about the trade? Because some of us, I'm sure you saw the same thing when people asked Jesus Lazardo about that on a Zoom with the Marlins after his win against the Mets yesterday, because I found out on Twitter. Well, they were on a plane when it happened, and they landed in Vegas, and they met him coming off the plane. That's when they gave him the news. But, you know, in this world, we know you can – your phones are operating on planes now, and you can get wireless, and you can you can see what's happening in the world. With Jay Hay, he said, I, I went to the clubhouse, and it was still about an hour and a half before the deadline, and it was the first day of a homestand. And I was told there's a chance that you might be going to Oakland. And so, so now you wait. So now you wait it out, then the – you know, then it happened, and now he's here. And to your point, it, we take for granted, you know, that they've got to uproot family and, you know, all the things that go along with that and their apartments and whatnot, wherever they're living in that particular city, and then get to the new city and meet new teammates and, and try to play winning baseball. And all those things do, they don't come that easily. And so to, to have a day to kind of get things going, I think it is a big deal for them. Yeah, then you have two days, and it's going to be a fun series against the Padres, and then another day off. And then it really feels like after Thursday the mentality of, you know, as we've been watching the Olympics, 
You know, you're coming around the track, and you know you got to put it into that other gear if you're going to win and you're going to be on that podium. I kind of feel like after Thursday, here we go, it's full on out. We're, we're in that total sprint. Well, it's 15 in a row after the after that off day and 19 out of 20. So you're right. I mean, they're the dog days. I mean, it's the sprint. It's what you it's what you play for. It's what you hope for. And the A's have been fortunate they've been in this situation before, and I think that's an advantage for them even though they're holding on to the second wild card, trying to get the first wild card, still trying to chase down the Astros, while teams are trying to chase them down from behind, Yankees and Mariners, Toronto, even Cleveland to a certain extent. I, I think the last two months are going to be incredibly exciting, and, and it's going to be so mind-boggling to keep track of, well, what did Toronto do today? What did the Astros do today? What did the Yankees do today? What did the A's do today? What about the Marlins? What about the Rays? What about the Red Sox? Because it from day to day, it could check. It could change from your leading the division, as what happened with Tampa Bay over the weekend, to going from second place to first place. It could go from your you're leading the wild card, like Boston is, or maybe they're not, and then you're hosting the wild card if you're the A's, and who wouldn't want 50,000 people here? Or you know something else happens, and you've got somebody you know nipping at your heels. I mean, there's so many teams that are involved. As great as a trading deadline was, and because there's only only the one deadline. And because we're back to normalcy in terms of the playoffs, not everybody gets in like last year because of so many things were different with the 60-game season. Only so many seats at the table, and the music's going, and you got to make sure you get your chair. And it's, it's going to—I think—it's going to be enormously exciting uh, from this point forward. And it's been tough to keep track of everybody that got traded and how they're doing with their new teams because so many guys got moved. Yeah, 32 trades on trade deadline day. 80 players were moved just that day alone, and we both know. Because the A's did it as well, leading up to that day, they got Andrew Chafin beforehand. That that teams made other moves before that specific trading deadline day. So it, it, it is wacky, and just seeing how Rizzo is performing for the Yankees, or Gallo is not. Scherzer starts tomorrow against the uh, against the Astros for the Dodgers. I mean, there's a lot of things to keep track of now. That you're here for a reason. You're here to help us do X, Y, and Z, and we're seeing that already with the A's with Marte and and uh, Jay Hay and and Chafin, so it's uh, it's been fun to watch. I'll keep you out of the names. I- I've already done it, so we don't need to bring them up again. But you replaced three guys in your lineup, essentially, and that's a big change. Nine guys in the lineup, you change three. That's a big percentage. But you're bringing in legit major league hitters. And no offense to the guys hitting 216, 219. We're in August. You got to win. You brought in three winners. You got guys who have recent World Series rings, all-star appearances. I mean, just talk about the change in the lineup and, and, and just how just what a difference it was on Sunday. Energy. I mean, that game on Sunday, if that's the kind of game that the A's are going to play moving forward, they are going to be so much fun to watch and so tough to beat if they continue to get strong starting pitching in the bullpen to go along with what we saw them create offensively. Between Canna, Marte, and Olsen, one, two, and three, with on-pace percentages, at 370 or better for those three guys alone, you're talking about creating some early opportunities, maybe scoring some early runs. We saw Marte uh, run balls down. We saw Josh Harrison turn two double plays, one of them on, uh, two of them on Shohei Otani, which had never happened in a game before, two double plays and, and one game with Otani. Chafin faced Otani twice. <coughs> Excuse me, he faced Otani twice, got him out twice. I mean, there's some great things to see with this club, and Jan Gomes sits at a mile down the left field line and steps in, and he's a legitimate big league catcher. Guy's been down this road more than once. No doubt about it. I'm 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 really really excited about about this stretch. Uh, and I got to think if you're 
in the clubhouse now for the Padres and you're going over your your advanced scouting, wow how different the A's look for, than just a week ago when the A's were in San Diego. Yeah, there's a lot of new, a lot of new players and just a different way the A's approach things. Their lineup looks different. But the one concert that's been there and will be there again tonight is the starting pitching. I mean, Sean Manaya has just been spectacular. He's, along with Chris Bassett, very much as should be in the conversation for Cy Young Award. The, both of those guys are in the top ten in multiple categories pitching-wise. And for me, I'm seeing Manaya at a crucial time of the year, in, in the midst of maybe throwing the most innings he's ever thrown in a professional season, getting stronger. He just looks so confident to me on the mound. He, he, he attacks. He believes. He knows his weapons are working. He knows he's always had the deception. Now he has deception with an extra pitch and deception with extra velocity. And I, and I really believe the time that he spent with his buddy Tyler Pazic in Salt Lake City has really elevated who he is as a pitcher because he truly believes. And when things go wrong, they don't go haywire. And he doesn't worry about that. He lets it go by, and he goes right back to work. For me, Shamanai has been uh, very exciting to watch here and looking forward to seeing pitch tonight. You know, last time we were on the field, he came over to talk to us because we haven't seen him in forever, right? Because we haven't been able to be on the field. And I just was talking to him about his journey and everything with his life and everything, you know, because we, we had him on during COVID when he donated all of this to the EMT workers in San Francisco because his girlfriend is and everything. And we went over all that, and he, and he just – you know, he talked about he's he's very proud of how he's taken the ball every five days. Yeah, I mean that me. I mean, if I would have said in spring training, and I would have given you odds, would you bet on the A's rotation leading baseball in innings pitched? No, no, not that they couldn't do it. The the, the thing about them is, you, you never it, not never. It's rare where you see a collection of arms all come together in the same year. You know, some guys you know get ahead, fall back, get ahead, fall back. When you have five of those guys. You know, if you're in the horse race and you're betting on this one horse, well, he's out there in the lead for a while. Suddenly he, he falls way back, and now he's in third or fourth place, and somebody else jumps ahead. These guys have been basically, you know, nose-to-nose the whole way and encouraging each other, supporting each other, and just pushing each other to do better than what I did last night. And I think that's the thing that has been carrying the, the, the rotation, which is why they've got those kind of numbers. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. What 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 was the final total, 73 games with the same five guys? Right, starting on May 7th. <laughs> yeah, Bassett, Manaya, Montas, Urban, and Caprillion. Yeah, starting May seventh. Yeah, and I and I'm hoping Cap is just something. Give him a couple days. Well, he's been throwing, yeah. so that's that's encouraging. He's going to throw a side here in the next couple days. He still may be on track to pitch on Sunday against the Rangers. We'll have to wait and see. They can certainly stay with Dalton Jeffries if that's the case. If not, then Cap gets back out there. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for him. I mean, I I thought. His last two outings didn't quite have the same zip to his pitches, not the same finish, didn't have the same velocity as well, and maybe it was a little bit of a of a tired arm or something that needed to be calmed down or just stopped for a period of time, and I think he'll come back strong. Yeah, the reality is he really he hasn't pitched in years. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look at Dalton Jeffries. Like, the Sunday start, Dalton Jeffries against Reed Detmers. Detmers had 60 professional innings pitched just because he got drafted last year out of Louisville. And Dalton, because of the injuries, had 158 minor league innings. That is unheard of. We, we always remember back in the day, it was 500 pitching innings and 1,500 plate appearances before we even thought about bringing you to the big leagues. Those days are long gone, and teams are, are pushing and or rushing players in position and pitchers to the big leagues faster than ever. And 
the sense is I guess they feel like they can they can let them sink or swim up here and see if they can figure it out. But you're watching Jared Kelnick had some troubles with Seattle. He's starting to turn it a little bit. Uh, look at Wanda Franco playing with you know with Tampa Bay, who's with, with the number one prospect. You know as, as the year began, he's setting 220. So it just it's not an automatic. Not everybody's Juan Soto. Not everybody's Ronald Acuna Jr. And there's a lot of guys that are being put in those positions, and some take a little bit longer to succeed. And and I think that's been a you know an interesting thing to watch. You know what a reality is about bullpens. Year to year, you got no idea. You got no idea where one year Lou Trevino can't get anybody out. The next year he's pitching like an all star. You know who would have thought Sergio Romo would rebound the way he has and how great he's looked lately. Just talk about how tough it is for guys like David Force to build these bullpens because they're so inconsistent. Well. Jake Diekman's ERA was, what, 0-3 last year? Give him one home run. He's given him the most home runs he has in a season. His fastball command in that situation has been a problem. And his – a little frog in my throat. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> his fastball command has not been what it was last year. And, and it's almost you, – you can't – that those numbers were so gaudy in such a short amount of time. It's unfair to place that number and say you've got to duplicate that the following year. Even he knows that as long as he's been around. It's a simple thing as fastball command. We, you know, we both know with, with Lou, the arm has always stayed there. I think it's been more above the shoulders. And once he began to believe again and then started using his starter's repertoire with curveballs and change-ups, uh, that, that has enhanced him once he finally got the cutter back to a point where it's a, it's a big part of his uh, attack mode with the opposition. But... You, you, you can keep on looking for ways to, to shift the bullpen, and the A's have by bringing in Romo this year, late sign. Uh, Andrew Chafin comes in, and he's done a nice job for the A's in his three appearances for the Athletics. There still has to be there has to be a, a couple of guys that you've, been, that you've been able to count on more than once. I mean, not everybody can be Tampa Bay, where they, they trade their closer, and they they bring in, you know, the Rasmussen guy is throwing 100 miles an hour. You know, Fairbanks goes on the IL, no big deal. We'll run somebody else out there. And they, they just find a way with their system that they can interchange a lot of arms. And I think that's that's more difficult to do. And I think not, not as many teams can do it like Tampa Bay can. I think the A's are in that same category. This is why you've got, you've got holdovers that are given a chance to bounce back, and they have bounced back. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Tampa just has this factory of 6'5", six, 6'4", six, guys that throw hard. By the way, I was in San Diego yesterday for the off day, having to do a little family business, and uh, ran into some people downtown. A lot of people think they should probably shut down Fernando Tatis and just have the surgery now because this shoulder thing's been bothering him for years. Right, yeah, he's had it for a long time. And, and that's a big investment. Third time this year, and they're going to – they can wait it out in terms of the IL. They can wait it out for a week or so and see if it does get better. He's proven this year two things. One, he went on the IL the first time. The second time, he did not. He said there was more pain this third time than, than the previous two. So what does that mean? We'll have to wait and see. He, he is so important to them to, to make things happen. Tony Gwynn Jr. is going to join us. The Padre broadcaster, longtime player, San Diego State great. Hey, it's great to have you on the program again. How are you? I'm good. How about you guys? You know, the last time we saw you, I don't remember, was the winter meetings in San Diego. It's been, a, what was that, two years ago now? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, 
That was a big event for uh, for San Diego in that winter. It was fun, a lot of fun to be at. Yeah, it's like crazy. We talked to so many different people around the game, you know, because we got all the different teams and we know all the broadcasters and everybody. And we're just finally starting to see people again. Right, right. Isn't it weird? Because in our game, we're so used to seeing everybody year-round, and then you don't see anybody for two years. That is uh, that is how this game has been built, is that with the relationships you, you're able to make while playing and being around it. And the last two years, year and a half, is, it's been tough not seeing faces. But this is our first trip traveling. So I'm excited, wow. I'm excited just to be <laughs> at, at this Oakland Coliseum. It's a great first place to start at, for sure. I, I think I've told you I grew up in San Diego, and I was actually there yesterday doing a little family stuff. And I was downtown, and just the buzz yeah. around the yeah. team. I mean, if I would have told you, I don't know, a year ago that a Tuesday night between the A's and the Padres is going to have like 45,000 people, you would have said what? I would have said you're out of your mind is what I would have said. There is no shot. And I, listen, I, I was I was at that game Tuesday, and I was even amazed. I mean, we've had some sellouts this year, more so than we've had in a long time. But for a Tuesday against Oakland, yeah, and that's no knock against Oakland. It's just that's not a necessarily a, a draw for people to come out. There was no giveaways, but that place was filled to the brim. And that's by the way, there was a lot of A's fans. There was at a the game. bunch of A's fans there. I can't even I can't even lie. Like you looked out, and it was weird because you know brown, gold, yellow. It kind of all goes together in terms of when you see the stand. So. You had to kind of pick them out, but there was good Oakland re representation there for sure. Well, I'm glad to see the excitement and the the division in the West. I yeah. mean, we never saw this coming with the Giants. You expected the Dodgers to win, what, their ninth straight division. But now this is kind of like we're in this dogfight with Houston and Seattle. It's a sprint from here on out. And you got what you got from yep, the trading deadline, and it's yeah. here we go. It's go time. It's funny. You told me at the beginning of the year, Padres were three and a half out again from from the Dodgers. I'd be like, all right, yeah, we'll, you'll take that for sure. Uh, but you wouldn't have anticipated the, the Giants, the one setting the trend, the setting the, the tone here in terms of record. They're three three games ahead of Houston in terms of the best record in baseball. So the top of the West has been that kind of uh, of division. And it's funny, it's kind of played out the same way in the AL West, right? I mean, I think we all knew Oakland and, and Houston were the two teams, but. Who would have predicted Seattle all of a sudden is playing the type of baseball they're playing? So uh, it's 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 going to be a, an uphill. It's going to be a tough fight for the Padres. I mean, I don't think the Giants are going anywhere. I think this team is for real. At least they believe it at this point, and that's that's as dangerous of a thing you can have as when a locker room believes they're as good as they're playing. Well, don't worry. On our side, we're hoping that the Giants do fall. <laughs> so we're with you on that one, by the way. Um, you know, speaking of our ball club, you got to finally see we made a lot of moves at the deadline. Good moves. You know these guys. Uh, we, As I said to start the show, and I said it in the postgame show on Sunday, we added some dudes. You did. We added some players, ballers, World Series champions, all-stars. So if I'm like San Diego in the advanced scouting, it's like the team that you saw in San Diego is not the same team you're going to see here in Oakland. No, and if you were advanced scouting for the Padres, you would know that Je Josh Harrison has, has terrorized the Padres this year, and, and so has John Gomes. Both of them were in Washington, maybe the trip before you guys came, the homestand before you guys came, and killed the Padres. So uh, Padres aren't very happy to see them now wearing another jersey and having to face them again because uh, obviously those two guys can play, but I think the the, the – Maybe the move of the entire trade deadline was getting Starlin Marte. He fits what this team needs. 
He's kind of when you look at the Oakland A's from from the outside looking in, it looks like a bunch of castaways that are, are have decided they're gonna band together as brothers and play good baseball. And Sterling Mar Sterling Marte kind of fits that kind of mold that the, the Oakland A's have. So I think he's a great addition. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. He hit for power. He can hit for average. He runs the bases well. He plays a terrific center field. So you got yourself a, a, a game-changing game type of player in Starling Marte. And then the other guys I mentioned, uh, they're going to be big helps for this ball club. Yeah, sure. Marte actually tried to throw some bunts down, and we were all like, wait, are we allowed to do that in Oakland? <laughs> Is this money ball? Can we, are you allowed to bunt? He, he, he's, he's, a, he's a hybrid. You know, he, he, to me, in my opinion, he, he's like a, a, a poor man's uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Like he, can, he has that type of game to him, um, not as maybe as consistent as Acuna has been, uh, but that's the type of player you're getting. If you need a bunt, he can get one down, and then he can do a whole bunch of things on the base path. Yeah, so being down in San Diego yesterday and have dinner with, with some people and uh, downtown, and and they're like, you know what? It might just be for long term because of the contract to just say for Fernando Tatis Jr. to get the surgery on the shoulder and get it right. Yeah. Where are you on that? I'm not there yet. There, I mean – the way he recovered from the first two times that he had to spend some time on the IL, I don't think he's there yet. You know, they said it took a little bit longer to, to slide back in in that shoulder uh, area than it did the first couple times. But there is, at least at this point, there's been no signs that that's where they're headed. Now, we'll know more when we get back home. He didn't travel on this trip. He wanted to give it some days. If we come back and they are, and he's starting to hit again, he's starting to take ground balls, I think he'll be right back on, on track to come off on time from that 10-day IL. However, that's not the case, um, then you might have to start worrying a little bit. Obviously, he's one of the most dynamic young guys in the game, and we got a lot of great young players. Yeah, yeah, we do. But do you see him long-term being a shortstop? Do you see him being a corner outfielder? He's got the great athleticism. He can play anywhere. Where do you see him long-term? I see him long-term at short. I really do. I think uh, it would take – it would take a, a, a an even, I mean, and this is, Fernando's as special as it gets in terms of athleticism. Um, it would take somebody even more special, I think, to move him from that shortstop position. I know he's had a lot of uh, errors this year. I think he's still leading the league in errors. Yeah. Um, all of them really on the, from the throwing spot, not really fielding. And I think as we've gotten into, before he got hurt, he had pretty much cleaned up all those, the throwing issues. It was really just a matter of getting his feet in the right direction to be able to make a strong throw. Um, but I don't think he's going to move. I think he's going to eventually be a, a, a multi-time gold glover at that position. So when I was in high school working for the San Diego School of Baseball, okay. all right, on the weekends I worked the Miramar location. Okay. And I'll never forget, football's on, it's early Sunday morning, your dad pulls up because your dad was part owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one was in there. I mean, everybody's watching football. They're not going to the batting cages in Miramar. Remember where that was yes, in Miramar? I absolutely remember where it was. And like, it was like it just like these weird offices. So, I mean, there's no one there. And I remember setting up the cage at 65, and I just sat there as a high schooler and watched your dad, one of the greatest years, just ripping it back up the middle and watching football going, I can't believe this is going on. Well, there's a great football, art. Football, Tony Gwynn <laughs> yeah, here. This I'm is like, great. And next, you know, he came out, you know, and he, we, he, I think he had we, coffee, and we hung out and talked a little bit, and then he left. Um, but there's a great article today about how 40 years ago today, yeah. Walla Walla, Washington, your your father started his career. and What an unbelievable career. It was a great story. Uh, first of all, shout out to Corey Brock, who wrote that article. He did a tremendous job of – 
taking you to Walla Walla, Washington, and you could almost visualize a lot of the things you were reading in that article. Um, it's one of the places my dad talked about a lot was, you know, as I started my professional career, he talked about Walla Walla, Washington, and you start to hear kind of the, the stories behind, you know, what kind of player he was there. Uh, it was a, it was a well written article. It was nice to go back down memory lane to see you know a, a young Tony Gwynn and John Cruck pretty much yeah. <laughs> together all the time. And if you know Crucky like I know Crucky, uh, you can visualize all of that. Them on the bikes, them riding around, them hitting. Uh, my dad was a uh, he was a he was a baseball nerd. So like showing up to you said the school of baseball do that was like fun to him. That wasn't work to him. And so. You can understand why he was able to become the hitter he was. I mean, he, he, he was blessed with great hand-eye coordination, which is something you need to hit a baseball, but he worked tirelessly, and, and it was something he enjoyed doing. And what a lot of people don't know, because I actually saw your dad. I grew up right next to San Diego State, so I actually saw your dad play college basketball at the yeah. sports arena. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize Tony Gwynn's the only guy ever to be drafted in two different drafts and in the same year by teams in the same town, Clippers and Padres. Yep. By the way, so I always get a, a, a beach house down in Mission Beach for the All-Star break. I took my – I got 15-year-old twins. So we went over – we went to UCSD to look at the campus. Yep. San Diego State's completely changed from when I was Hasn't growing up there. Though? I was like, wow. It's completely changed when I was there. That was in 2003. It looks completely different now. Yeah, I could. It's grown up. It has. It's a very, very, very it's impressive. A, it's much more of a big, big boy college now. It's not the, it's not the small town college that I think you and I grew up watching. It's, it's much more established now. So I played. The reason why I left, I played at San Jose State. So I remember playing. What was it, Smithfield? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. drove up. Yeah. I was able. They had the gate open, so I, I kind of get. I'm like. <laughs> They've got full-on stands now. Like it's, it's a, it's a made. I mean, listen, you know. How about the arena? The arena is is the is the the, the jewel. You know, that's the on campus. Um, it's it's gotten a lot more play as that basketball team has gotten better and better over the years. Um, baseball, once they, uh, I think John Moore's was the one who had a big hand behind building Tony Gwynn Stadium, which they play in now. Uh, it they got a lot of good facilities over. It's a great school to to to, to have a chance to attend. Now, I remember for a long time, I don't know since they've had this great run in college basketball, yeah. but your dad was the all-time assist leader for still a Still is. Is he still? Still the all-time no assist leader. No one's passed him? No one has passed him. Nobody <laughs> knows that, by the way. <laughs> it's the greatest sports trivia question you could ask Yeah. because uh, nobody knows it. My dad's first love it, it, it was basketball. Uh, he loved it to death. I think when it came to him getting drafted, as my mom tells the story, he realized he was too short. And he felt like there was more longevity in, in, in baseball. And I think, as my mom said, he's like, you know, I think I'll play baseball, play for five or six years, and then do something else. And we see how that one turned out. Well, if you remember how bad the San Diego Clippers were to then go on to be even worse in Los Angeles. <laughs> I, th I think your dad I think, made the right decision, yeah, right? Yeah, your dad made. Hey, it's always great having you on the program. Thank it's you, great Chris. to see you. I really appreciate it. Good luck to you guys. You know you're my National League team, so uh, I'd love to see the Giants tank it. I would Me love too. to see the Dodgers, even though you did play for the Dodgers. I did, but that's okay. They can lose, too. And you, got, you, got, you have family history in <laughs> yes, L.A. Yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> but they can tank, too, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, in, in, enjoy what you guys got going because it's special. And thanks, and we always appreciate the time. Thanks, Chris. Cole Irvins are going to join us here. How are you? Good. How are you? It's good to finally uh, see you in person on the field. In person is always better than not in person, for sure. So how have you been? 
Uh, can't complain. I just uh, got to see a bunch of family yeah. uh, on this last road trip. I got my mom up in the northwest and uh, all my family on her side up there. And then got my family down in Anaheim um, as well. So, I mean, it was just a good family kind of road trip, I guess you could say. Watching you pitch, I always kept thinking about when you're walking off the mound, well, I'm sure you prep the mound, the base pass in front of the dugout. Like, does that ever run through your mind that I used to be on the grounds career? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I talked to them uh, when we were last there uh, pretty regularly. And then, obviously, in this in this last time, I got to be able to pitch on the on the mound that I've been around since high school and got to maintain that that ballpark and um you know there's a lot of pride that goes into that stadium so i mean there was no love lost for for that dirt and for that grass there um i I enjoy every minute i get to you know suit up there so there's still guys there that you worked with about five guys five guys uh vinny he was my fifth grade pe teacher so i knew him before i was even um thought to be on the grounds crew so that's been a that, that was pretty cool i've known him for a lot of years, and then uh, Barney and, um, you know, just the rest of the team there, they they were trying to give me a hard time. They are like, you better be working quick on Saturday because, you know, long game for a grounds crew does not result in an early night, you know. I bet they got a lot of pride when they – and I don't know what they've said to you, but to think that you were a kid working with them and they're now they're watching you out on the mound, they got to have a lot of pride in that. Yeah, there, there was it was a good feeling. It was, it was, it was really cool to just – talked to them afterwards and you know they were all they all had smiles on their faces and um i asked i asked bird i asked him you know how many guys do you think went from grounds crew to the big leagues and uh he was like probably zero (laughs) (laughs) so but you know you might be a trivia question uh, might be might be but you know i had a lot of fun with those guys and and bert gave me a hard time because he goes couldn't do it in two hours and 30 minutes yeah (laughs) it was like two hours and 45 or something like that well i do appreciate uh, as someone that's uh, on obviously well before the game and on well after the game i do appreciate the rhythm and where you go uh i can't tell you when you know the athletics we we had a we had eight straight games over three hours we had one of them, it was a 2 nothing game, and it was over three hours. I like it. You get the ball, you throw strikes, and, and let's get the team back into the dugout. Good or bad, I am. you can count on me for, for one thing, and that's working quick and working in a rhythm that, that suits me. And, and I think that's – I was told by a sports psychologist that uh, a hitter – it takes a hitter 13 seconds to forget the previous pitch. So if you put a timer on me, I'm, I'm within that 13 seconds at least – ready to go um, maybe releasing it at 15 or 20 but i'm trying to get it i'm trying to get the ball and go because I, I don't want that uh that pitch uh to be thought about i don't want him to clear it i want him to think about that previous pitch that's fascinating yeah well also we all know when you pitch and you pitch to contact the guys behind you are engaged mm-hmm. a heck of a lot more yeah and you got a great defense behind you but i want to follow back on that so if I'm a, if you throw him, you flip me a breaking ball and I miss it, I got 13 seconds, mm-hmm. and so you're thinking I want him still in that mindset when I'm throwing it again. I don't want him thinking about what pitch is coming next. Wow, that's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, Ken Revisa, who's no longer no longer with us, is uh, was the person that introduced me to that theory, that thought, and. Uh, I learned that at Oregon, and so that's kind of been uh, a mindset I've always had and hasn't hasn't left me, and, and that's something I've always kind of carried into every outing is a reminder of 
you know, there's going to be times where I got to take my time and, and kind of reset myself and, and get ready to go. But that 13 seconds is still in the back of my mind of trying to release the ball. So you think of those relievers who get up, throw as hard as they can, get the ball, go around the mound. You're now at 25 seconds. You've, you've basically given the guy the ability to breathe, rethink, yeah. reprocess. Yeah. And after this interview, I guarantee you every hitter's going to take 30 seconds in the box. So that's <laughs> not going to be my fault. Batting gloves. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yep. 100%. So uh, I'm glad I gave everyone my my uh, my theory. And <laughs> Now I still get up there and throw it. You know, what do you think is different about you this year versus previous years? You know, I, I, w- I was talking to Jim Salisbury of uh, with NBC Philadelphia today, and he asked me the same thing. And to be honest, it was just a lot of off-season work of, of improving of where I wanted to be. I, I wasn't happy with um, the results of the previous season, and I know I could pitch better, and um, the command wasn't there. So I really took the off-season to focus, on, focus in on my mechanics on top of my adjustment to move to the other side of the rubber from first base side to the third base side. And uh, that allowed me to open up my arsenal on the inside part of the plate, throw my slider a little bit more. Um, and it just got me into a lot more confident uh, area and the command levels shot through the roof and it's just been something I've been riding and, and believing in. Well, something that we have talked to A's players all these years that we've been doing this, that when guys come here, they know they have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I don't know you can say that in every organization. So it's one thing to say the different things that you've done but the other thing is that you came here when they when they basically bought you from Philadelphia. There has to be something psychological about it, knowing that hey, if I do pitch well, I will have an opportunity here. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, Dalton Jeffries and I had a, an incredible spring, and he and I became close through it. And um, you know, he might be might have been my first friend in the organization, and so uh, you know, he pitched well to earn that opportunity as well, and um, you know. Those big decisions don't come down to us, and unfortunately, we had we had fires out, and uh, and I just had to had to continue to pitch. And facing the Houston Astros uh, two times, you know, first two starts, uh, given a new opportunity, isn't always easy. Um, I felt like I pitched better than the numbers showed, but like it was, it was one of those deals where. You had to focus on what what was that next pitch, that next opportunity. What when was that going to be, and take advantage of that. And uh, found a rhythm, and and haven't looked back. You know, it's so funny when you look at lineups, you look at staffs. Human beings feed off of each other, whether it's good or bad. Right? Correct. Everybody can go bad at the same time. Oh, yeah. So when I think of seventy-three straight games, you guys had the same five guys going. You guys have been feeding off of each other. What has this been like? And you also lead baseball in innings pitched. Uh, I mean, I think right before the All-Star break, uh, I, I, I turned to Frankie and I said, I think we might be one of the few organizations or few rotations that have all, all but one guy that has 100-plus innings on the year. And that kind of blew me away. Um, I, I've, this is the first year that I've kind of taken a, been able to take a step back and look at my performance and, and be happy with it going into that uh, all-star break. Um, and so it was kind of unique to share that kind of excitement and, and that of that need to want to continue what we've been doing all year uh, post-all-star break. And, and um, you know, Sean has been incredible for me as another left-hander that I can kind of lean on and talk to about 
um, you know, attacking lineups and attacking hitters or what he might be seeing and what might, he might be even working on um, that might be able to help me improve my game. And Bassett does not come uh, into the dugout with something to say every time. And so he's another great person. Turn around. Yeah. See, in the dugout <laughs> talking. Not surprised. <laughs> Just not surprised at all. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's and that's the cool part is is every single one of us after we come out of the game we talk about it. We we absorb that that outing, good or bad, and we just keep trying to find ways to improve each other. And and when guys are throwing well and there's a string of good starts, you're you're hoping that we continue that success. And, and I think you saw that in the this past road trip as we started having those good starts, and now it's starting to lead to into more good outings. You know, I, I I think about the fun that you guys have during the game, obviously inside the clubhouse, and now you got a trident, you got all this stuff going on. <laughs> right. But you don't want to be the weak link. Talk about that. How you don't want to be that guy that has the bad start in between the other four. I don't even think we think about the bad start. I, I really don't. I, I really think we were so focused on improving each other's, you know, next outing that I, I don't feel like the weak link is is even a thought or is even a a conversation that we have like. If we have a bad start, like I did in Seattle, um, we, we talk about it. We, we, we kind of embrace it and say, hey, wipe that off your back. You're getting into, the, into this next game, and you're going to pitch well. You know, and then that's, that's ultimately what happened is, is they, they reminded me, like, hey, you're still pitching well. Don't worry about it. It's, not a, you know, it's one start. And so I think that weak link chain is uh, – really tough to find in our rotation because we're, we're extremely positive um, in between starts and with ourselves, but more, even more so with each other. All right, just two more. Um, when you start thinking about the guys you just added to the clubhouse, mm-hmm. you added some real players. Oh, yeah. World Series champions, all-stars. And when you change three bats out of nine, and not saying they're, these certain guys on the bench are not going to play now, and still Murph's going to catch at times. But just what did it mean to bring in just not experienced guys, but legit players? I mean, we, we've we've had a great team all all year, and to add uh, three offensive guys and uh, Andrew in the in the bullpen, I mean, I think it gives not just the rotation a little pick me up as an excitement because we've we've pitched well all year, um, but more so, I think the bullpen is got another reliable arm we've had a reliable bullpen all year um and then just having that offense uh that offense boost is just going to be a really driving factor for this second half and and i forget how many games we got left but i know that we're we're itching to play a lot of games and we're and we're ready to kind of take on whoever's in front of us and um it's a lot of fun and it brings a lot of energy this is the first time i've got to experience it um, you know, a trade deadline and being a part of, a, you know, a winning ball club. And that is just giving me so much energy just to, like, want to go out and pitch well and, and give our chance, get our, give our offensive a chance to, you know, put us put us up on the board. And it's, it's, just, it's just really exciting. And I got – I mean – Bassett said that it, you can ride this energy for two weeks. I feel like we're going to ride it into the into the postseason. I love the Randy Macho Man Savage glasses, by the way. Those are the exact same. <laughs> those glasses, right? Back in the day, Macho Man. All right, let's end on this because I know you're going to love this. I can't wait. We're in August. You know it starts in late August. Right. College football. Uh-huh. And there's going to be a lot of Pac-12 hate 
in that clubhouse. Oh, it's going to be incredible. Stanford, Cal, you got Oregon. I mean, I can't wait to see you guys get after it. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect yet. Um, I haven't had this many Pac-12 uh, represented <laughs> in the clubhouse. Um, I'm definitely excited. Uh, you know, I've been paying attention to what those Ducks are doing up in Eugene and um, – you know the conversations haven't quite started yet, but oh, I know will. I know they're about to, and it's it's going to be exciting. I love football season. Um, Saturdays Saturdays are for the boys, so you know you gotta you gotta be able to you know have some fun on on Saturdays during season. Well, I mean, I mean, you think you got Jed, you got Piscotty, Stanford. Right. When, when Simeon was here, we had so much Cal from Melvin. <laughs> to, I mean, it's like everybody at Canna, everybody on the team was from Cal. So yeah. it, it gets pretty spirited. So. And adding you to the mix, who, who's USC? Well, don't forget Dalton Jeffries is a Cal guy, too. That's another Cal guy. James Caprellian's a uh, UCLA. UCLA, but UCLA. He, isn't he a USC fan, though? That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his whole family was SC, and he was the only one to go to UCLA. So I think he's playing playing for both teams. He, My he, grandfather went to USC, so I'm, I have a little bit of love there, too. I can't believe a Bruin on this show, live on the air, said he roots for USC over UCLA. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, that's crazy. He, he's got he's got so much Trojan in his blood that I I don't know, I don't know how he went to UCLA. I know <laughs> I know it's probably because of Savage, but but yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. Uh, you know, if I if it wasn't me for enjoying all those all those years of good Oregon teams, um, you know, I still root for USC. I try to watch both teams as much as I can. I don't know if we should. Well, we'll one more. Uh, Kevin Franzen. <laughs> Kevin Franzen gave us a call when we traded for you. Kevin mm -hmm. and I both played at San Jose State. Yeah. And uh, he's like, you got to get him on. He's fabulous. I got to tell you, Kevin was right. From whether we were doing the go-kart when we first yeah, got you. Yeah, the first, the first call I was at the go-kart track, well, yeah. of all things. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're great. We appreciate your time. It's great to finally – this is what we normally do in non-COVID. We're like the only team allowed to do this. So to do a live talk show from the field is always really cool. Great to have you. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. I don't know. Maybe, Roxy, maybe you got away with one there. You don't have to go to Iowa because I don't even know what part of Iowa. I watched the movie – if you build it, they were come. What part of Iowa is that? Are there different parts of Iowa? I didn't know. <laughs> I have been to Iowa before. Oh, I'm sure you've called something from Ames. I or... have done two games in Ames. Cal played out there against Iowa State in hoops years ago. And I was there for an Iowa State-Texas game. Uh, when Texas was in the Big 12, and, of course, we know they're leaving, but – Rick Barnes was the coach of Texas, and the mayor, Fred Hoiberg, was the coach of Iowa State at the time. So, yeah, flying in out of Des Moines to get to Ames, about a 40-minute drive, not bad. So you called the game where my new favorite Dodger, yeah. Max Scherzer, uh, just how weird was it? I know for me watching it, it was just weird to see him in Dodger blue, but thankfully he was because anybody who plays the Astros is a friend of mine. <laughs> It was cool to see that. I know the crowd was, for a number of reasons, was amped up Wednesday night. They certainly were jacked Tuesday for the first time that fans could be in the ballpark at Dodger Stadium with the Astros in town. Like, they played in interleague last year, but fans weren't allowed. Yeah. Um, so it was the first time that Dodger fans got to heckle the Astros. And it was crazy. From everything I heard, like, pregame on Tuesday, the first game, like, Dodgers would hit home runs into the pavilion out there, the bleachers. They're firing the baseball back at the, at the Astros. 
right? And then Wednesday, the game got halted a couple times because fans somehow throw, were throwing trash cans out onto the outfield on the warning track. So, That's awesome. It, you know, <laughs> but, you know, the, the Scherzer was terrific. I mean, you could see he was amped up, right? This meant a lot to him. And then he gives up a home run to the second batter. Brantley takes him deep, and the Astros are up one nothing. But then the Dodgers come right back in the bottom of the first, and Mookie Betts, first batter, straightaway center. Then Will Smith goes opposite field, and the Dodgers put a four spot up against Odorizzi, who didn't look good in that game, and the Dodgers wind up with the win. Got a little interesting late, but L.A. held them off. Um, but Betts had a great game. Bellinger is still kind of a mess right now for the Dodgers. I know he had an opposite field double, but they're they're batting him eight in that lineup because he's been – since he's come back from the injured list in late June, he's hitting like 140. So they got to get him right clearly. But when they get everybody back and rolling, they're deep. That lineup, as we know, um, and just Scherzer makes that pitching even better. Then they sign Cole Hamels to a deal, so that gives them possibly another weapon to use. Look, I, I, I'm, I don't think we'll ever see Trevor Bauer pitch for the Dodgers again. Um, Do you think he's just done? I think forever. He's d- I, I, look, if if these accusations are true and it's the investigation's going on, if there are criminal charges filed. Um, I don't see how he throws another pitch in the major leagues. Do you? Probably not. I mean, he shouldn't. I mean, if this stuff is yeah. true and he gets charged, I mean, he's going to jail. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he could. He very well could. So the Pasadena police, I guess, are still conducting their investigation. And I know the suspension was lengthened and extended. So, what, to the middle of August now. So we'll see, you know, what happens. But, you know, I was a little nervous the other night because when our game goes into X running, so I was in for Ken on Wednesday. Yeah. And we go 10, and then I got to wait for Olsen to do the post-game interview. I'm looking at my watch. Okay, I've got a 6.30 first pitch. Luckily, I go against the traffic leaving here, so I'm going over the San Mateo Bridge. So I made it home at 5.15 with a first pitch at 6.40. And I called you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> like I was 10 minutes to airtime when you called me. Yeah, and he's like, hey, I got to go. I got a game to call. I went, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, we're, we're talking shop. I had to pull – I had to turn my microphone off because I didn't want a Rachel Nichols incident. So uh, so nobody could hear what we were saying. But here, here's the other thing that has made this model that I'm working on for ESPN a little challenging where I'm calling these games from home, as you know. I'm doing the Giants and the Brewers tomorrow from home, even though the game's in Milwaukee. But – I didn't have the feeds weren't good from ESPN. Take, we take them in from Dodger Stadium and Dodgers TV until the second inning. So the whole first inning, Singy, Chris Singleton, and I are watching the game on the MLB.TV app or the MLB app, and we're calling the game off the app with no crowd sound. Oh, wow. So, and we had to make sure that the app was synced up, and we were like three seconds off between the two of us, so it still worked. And the feeds finally got working in the second inning. And then we had the, the natural sound and the crowd mics and everything working. But that made it a little challenging. And the game I did, was it last week? The Red Sox and the Blue Jays? We didn't get the feeds till like 15 minutes before the game. So that has become an issue. And we're, are the powers that be at the Worldwide Leader are aware of some of the technical 
uh, obstacles we have been dealing with. Well, it's uh, tough to call a game that you can't see. <laughs> Is it, you think? Yeah. That's like old school where, you know, they would get some, um, however they would get the information, and then they'd do the fake crack of the bat, <laughs> and it's a double down the line. And, and all of a sudden you turn the knob up on the crowd sound. Uh, so I was a little on edge, as you could imagine. But Or if, if I have to call the game off like MLB Game Tracker, that would be a little tough. You guys got to talk to uh, Bob Melvin yeah. for a little bit in the dugout. Uh, what was he saying about Ramon? It's it's just disappointing for everybody involved, right? Unfortunately, the A's have been through this before. Um, Ramon was really emotional, and he was sorry. He feels he let everybody down in that clubhouse is what, what Bob was saying. And well, he did. It stinks. It really does. And it comes at a rough time because we know how critical he is to this team. And it's not just the offense that he provides, but the energy, being in the clubhouse, volunteering to go to right field to let Starling Marte have center, right? Things like that. He's such a team guy, and he can help you in so many ways, whether it's with the bat, whether it's with his legs, whether it's with the arm. Uh, and, look, he started that rally in the ninth inning uh, or on Wednesday with that double and that great at bat against Melanson. And it just – it's unfortunate for everybody, and but for Bob, for the guys in the clubhouse, yes, you're up – you're frustrated and it stinks, but you got to turn the page, right? You have to have a short memory. You have to be like maybe like a closer in this situation and forget what happened. Luckily, the A's in David Forrest and Billy Bean have done a really good job of accumulating some depth. So now, look, you're not going to replace the things that he can do for you, but at least you can have a quality major leaguer out there, whether it's – you know, Mark Cannon is playing in right field tonight, whether it's Steven Piscotti, whether, you know, Josh Harrison is so versatile, he could do a number of things for you. Seth Brown's on his way back up uh, with a left-handed bat. So there's some things that he can do, and they'll try to pick up the pieces and move on, but it's certainly a difficult guy to replace. Well, I I'm going to look at it this way. This makes the, the dynamic of Josh Harrison, how much is he going to be able to play it makes it a lot easier now to have his terrific bat in the lineup every single day. And, you know, the thing that these statements, when they come out, you just like read the statements and you just go, but it's an anabolic steroid. As I said, you don't get it from eating Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, this is an anabolic steroid. You just can't go to GNC and buy an anabolic steroid. You know exactly what you're doing. So the statement. Are you speaking from experience? <laughs> maybe I should have done it. I mean, it may have been better. but it's Maybe just, you wouldn't have given up that 500-foot jack to the fat guy behind Kotze in the Fullerton lineup uh, then. Seriously. Um, but it is sad. But, I, I mean, as a, if I can take a positive out of it, I now know I'm not going to have a hard time getting Harrison in the lineup. Speaking of Mark Kotze, I think he Mark enjoyed Kotze. that comment, by the way. Uh, he's just walking by. But you know what? It's going to provide an opportunity for somebody to help and step up, and that's what's going to have to happen. Is it Stephen Piscotty who all of a sudden takes that position and runs with it? Um, but the team has to find a way to move on, and they will do it. And you mentioned Harrison. The other thing that I think is critical that he does for this team is the energy that he brings, right? You're losing one of those spark kind of players with Laureano. But Josh Harrison strikes me as the kind of guy that can do that. Now, he's not necessarily – look, he's not the right fielder or the outfielder. Ramon Laureano, since he debuted with the A's, you know, four years ago, has the second most outfield assists of any player in baseball, with Hunter Renfro of the Red Sox having the most. And Laureano 
does a lot of things that can help you win ball games. So does Josh Harrison. They don't do it in the same way, but the things that I see between the two of them that they do provide that are similar is the energy and the infectious attitude he'll bring. Well, thank God they made those trades. Because yeah. imagine if they didn't make those trades and we got this news today. I, it would be devastating. I don't think it's devastating because of the guys that you've brought in. And we just mentioned you get make sure you're getting more at-bats for, I mean, you're, you're trading what? Ramon Laureano, Cody was hitting what? 240 what? Uh, Ramon was hitting 246 with 14 home runs. And like 40 driven in. And then yeah. now I'm going to be able to put in a guy hit, hitting 289. Yeah. Far different. Well, and also, but then again, you know, look, look at the defense, for example, that Ramon provides. And that's that's the harder thing, I think, to replace. Yes, the, the, the bats that he gives you and the spark that he can be there. But for me more so, guys, it's the, it's, it's the defense, right? With that arm, pe- people just don't run on him. The, they know not to run on Laser Ramon because he's got that cannon for an arm. And it curtails the running game for other teams. Like, they got somebody at first and a single to right. They're going to think twice about going from first to third. Or they're thinking twice about trying to score from second base. so Or take that extra base on a base hit to the outfield. So that dynamic now comes into play where there isn't as much of a threat defensively in right field. You know, the one thing that I, I know the A's have been able to hang their hat on, which has been fantastic, and just talk about the starting pitching and the fact that if I would have told you in spring training the A's starters would have the most innings pitched, I bet we wouldn't have bet on that. No. Look, coming into the year, you know, Chris Bassett had been emerging. Frankie Montas had become a, a staple of this rotation. But there are questions about the back end of the rotation going into the season, right? But, okay, not many people knew what to expect from Cole Irvin. Was he going to win the job? Was it going to be Dalton Jeffries winning that job? And then the emergence of James Caprillion. And, look, there's optimism. Maybe he can make that start on Sunday. We'll see how it transpires but reports were good about his throwing session today but there was some unproven guys at the back end of the rotation but with how consistent Cole Irvin has been and economical he has been in his starts it really has been uh, a great find by Billy Bean and David Forrest to go get Cole Irvin who's helped stabilize this rotation and helped and given length to this rotation and that's that's the thing as you talk about it it puts the bullpen in a stronger position, Chris, because you're not as reliant on them when you're getting as many quality innings as you're getting from your starting pitching. Yeah, and uh, I can't wait for football season because we're going to have a Pac-12 pack, pack war inside this clubhouse. You got, okay, the Stanford contingent of Lowry and Piscotti, of course, with Mike Aldretti. Um, certainly the Cal contingent with Dalton Jeffries now joining Mark Cannon, of course, the skipper. You look around. uh James Caprillion, I know that he claims UCLA, but as he admitted to you guys on this show, he actually roots for USC football. I can't believe he said that. I I was pretty shocked to see that also, that he that he To say that, that live, that yeah. could come back as a Bruin. I, I just, you know, it's funny. I texted John Savage that, the UCLA baseball coach. Hey, your boy Cap just admitted this is what. <laughs> and he just sent me that the emoji back with a, a guy covering his eyes. Yeah. Like in disbelief. But... There's, you know, we got some – there's going to be some quality football play. The Cole Irvin and Oregon guy, big big game for Oregon week two. They're going to Ohio State in the horseshoe. Ooh. So, I, I got a feel that Cole Irvin will be dialed in on, on that one. It's a 9 a.m. Pacific kick, so he'll have time to watch that one, I think. 
9 a.m. Pacific. That's yeah, ne- noon in, in Columbus. That is never good when our West Coast teams go Midwest East and they yeah. kick off in the morning because your body's not. Hey, my, my Cal Bears have not complained about it. They went to Ole Miss and Oxford and kicked at 9 a.m. Pacific your Cal Bears and won. The last they went time to Chapel Hill, North game? Carolina. When's the last time you won a big game? 19. Dude, they went down to Stanford and Chase Garbers led that game-winning drive for the score and, and Cal won You're the game. You're the third best team in the Bay Area. That's not true. You're not as good as San Jose State. I didn't say that. <laughs> You're saying Stanford's three? I think let's let the season play out. Who's the bat in your in your in your educated professional opinion, Mr. College Football, okay. who has a Heisman Trophy vote? Yes, I do. And works for ESPN. Yeah. Who's the best college football team right now in the Bay Area? <sighs> They're all very close. Um I think you, Uncle Townie, and your mighty Spartans of San Jose State, which, you know, I've kind of adopted because yes. of my relationship with the head coach. You have the best quarterback. No doubt. Um, you have the best defensive player in the Bay Area with Cade Hall. Who's the best team? Simple question. You got three to choose from. I'm going with my alma mater. Come oh, on, man. Oh, sweet rough up. Come Cal. on. Well, wait a second. You, you can't take a look at the 20 season and judge Cal on that because – no team was affected more by COVID than Cal last year, right? You're playing your first game of the year against UCLA without a defensive line. Then the next two games you play, you don't have your offensive line because they're in quarantine. The only time that Cal had their full team was when they played Oregon and they beat Oregon, who were the quote-unquote Pac-12 champs, even though they didn't win the Pac-12 North. Washington couldn't play in the championship game because of a COVID outbreak. So Oregon slides in and they beat USC. And they become the Pac-12 champions last year. San Jose State doesn't make excuses. They just win games. We're a football power. Yeah, how long How long has that been since you've uttered those words? Uh, we had some good teams back when Ken Korak was doing the play-by-play. Hey, Mike McIntyre, that that last year before he bolted for Colorado. The mil- we won the Military Bowl. Yeah. No, was it the military? Or the armed? No, it was right. The military bowl was in D.C. because the Armed Forces Bowl is in Texas. At, at, yeah. at old RFK. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to be replaced by a Hall of Famer waiting in the wings here, and Eric Nadell, one of the greats of all time. I'm. That's clearly stepping up in your ability for booking. I, I see. Is like I'm the undercard as the evening progresses. Like I'm the opening yeah, act. Yeah, you're just warming up for the Hall exactly. of Famer. For God's He's sakes. coming in next. You start. Frank Sinatra's you coming. You set the you're bar low, then you jokes. keep moving up. Is that it? <laughs> what do you got this weekend? Uh, I got Giants Brewers tomorrow from my house. <laughs> yeah. Nothing says Major League Baseball hey, like the Peninsula. I'm not complaining the, about my commute. I've got plenty of food and refreshments in the refrigerator. Um, there's. I don't have to wait for a bathroom. Like between innings, I can just sprint and go. So, I, I'm not complaining. I bet your wife is like, when can we oh, get this guy out of the house? There's no doubt she is. <laughs> she is so sick and tired of seeing my ugly mug. All right, buddy. Have a good call. Okay. Sounds good. I'll talk to you in a bit. We're going to have the Hall of Famer stepping in here as we get you ready for – no, don't go to break. Let's just go right to oh, Eric. Okay. All right. Um, you know, this is going to be, you know, an interesting day for, for us trying to follow this game uh, and figuring out who some of these guys are. I mean, obviously, the A's and the Rangers have split, but uh, this is a far different Ranger team than, than we have seen. Some of the names really haven't heard of some of these guys, but 
Most importantly, we've heard of you, the Hall of Famer. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. How good is it to be back on the road? It's fantastic, especially to be here. You know, it's like 99 degrees in Texas, and here we are, and it's 70 degrees, and uh, went for a nice hike today in Berkeley, and it's beautiful. And you get your Chinese food fixed. Get the Chinese food, and I, I get to see a ball game from one of my favorite vantage points here at the Coliseum. It's just, uh, this is great for us. Yeah, what's you know what a lot of people don't understand is that the new stadiums, they basically said we're not worried about the broadcasters. We want luxury suites, and I'll never forget when I was working with the Raiders down there in Miami at the new Hard Rock, are for Brent Mus. I worked with Brent Musburger, and his booth was so far to the side. It's like how do you? So this is so old school. It's still built for you guys to have a good broadcast. Yeah, it's great. We love it and. You know, our ballpark in Texas has the booth high up, as a lot of the new ones do. So uh, going around the league and being back down low again, you feel the game a lot more. You know, you can do the game from up there, and we're getting used to it. But uh, it's just it's more fun the closer you are to the field. You know, last time we were there, they were building the new field. And I remember we went over to Texas Live for the barbecue, which was phenomenal, uh, and got to look in. But, of course, we haven't been able to travel. What is the new yard like? It's great. I mean, they did a wonderful job. The sight lines are fantastic. The decks overhang each other uh, more than in most of the recent parks. It's more like the old-fashioned parks that used to have poles so that the, the decks above were closer out toward the field. They've managed to engineer that now without poles. So the sight lines are excellent. The air conditioning's working great, <laughs> you know, with the temperature over 90 every day now. Uh, you know, it's really comfortable in there. It's also very loud. Um, so it, it will create, I think, over the years, a real big home field advantage for the Rangers. We haven't seen the roof open since the middle of May, you know, because of the weather situation. But when the roof is open, you know, it really feels like an outdoor regular ballpark. When the roof is closed, uh, it's more of an arena-type feel, I think, because of the way that the, the sight lines are. But, but fans seem to really like it. That area right behind home plate looks awesome. Oh, that's that, pretty cool. Those, 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 TV, those yeah. dugout suites. Yeah, we've been down there during batting practice. Uh, haven't had the opportunity, of course, during a game, but uh, that's an amazing view. Yeah, I mean, just to be right behind home plate, and, you know, you have people serving you food and drinks. And, like, and it's closer to home plate than any backstop in baseball. It's only 42 feet. You know, they used to be 60, and then a lot of the newer parks now have gone to 52 feet, or old parks built st- some seats out on the field so it's more like 52 ours is 42 feet um it's the closest you know when when i when i think about the texas rangers and having the roof now has to be just great for everybody knowing that you're gonna have 81 games you're not gonna have to worry about rain delays and 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 the heat i mean what does that mean that you have the roof what does that do for the fan base well this last homestand was a really good example we had a nine game homestand at the end of a nine game homestand in august i used to be wiped out i can only imagine what it was like for the players and how the fans existed during day games is still a mystery to me we had a game last sunday uh where it was in the 90s when the game started and a storm rolled in and in the eighth inning it started pouring outside we could hear the thunder you know as if we were right in the middle of it we would have had a rain delay of somewhere around three hours there it was a getaway day for seattle everybody would have been waiting around and instead you know we just listened to the rain outside finished the game and uh, went on to play again the next day. And at the end of the nine-game homestand, you know, we're, we're fresh as a daisy having played in air conditioning. Our players are able to go out and get early work. 
you know, they don't have the cumulative effect of the heat that they had in past years at the end of a long homestand like that. We used to look at the schedule, and you, if we'd see a three-team homestand in August, we were, like, totally dreading it. Now we, we welcome that. Yeah, because it's been said there's some really good Ranger teams that by the end of the year were just worn out from all the heat. And I believe that. I really do think it was a factor in a lot of those seasons. It was also a factor in trying to attract free agents to the club, especially pitchers. Uh, pitchers don't want to pitch when it's 100 degrees. Um, it's really hard on them, especially if they're going to make half their starts in those conditions. So I think it'll help the Rangers uh, tremendously in trying to uh, attract pitchers to the ball club. You know, one of the issues the A's have had has been how they've played in division and split so far with the Texas Rangers. But just talk about how this is a different Ranger team than we've seen so far in 2021. Yeah, you know, you look at the numbers for the Rangers for the season, and they're not totally relevant given – all of the changes. I mean, they traded their by far the most productive hitter in Joey Gallo. They traded their best starting pitcher in Cal Gibson, and they traded their closer in Ian Kennedy. Uh, so uh, naturally, there are a lot of guys playing here now who are basically auditioning. And it's a land of opportunity, as Chris Young, the new general manager, said the other day. And a lot of guys are getting opportunities. You're seeing uh, a guy like Jason Martin. He's batting second tonight and playing left field. Uh, Eli White, who came over from the A's you know, in a trade two years ago, is on the injured list right now. He was playing every day in left field or center field. Well, he's on the injured list now, so Jason Martin's getting a chance. Andy Ibanez is now playing every day at second base. He's a Cuban kid who's been in the system for several years, never got a chance to play until this year. Uh, they just called up a guy named Yanni Hernandez, uh, an infielder, who's getting a chance to play. They picked up DJ Peters on waivers from the Dodgers, you know, an outfielder with a world of potential who certainly wasn't going to crack the Dodgers outfield. Uh, but he's getting a chance to play with the Rangers every day. So, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out who are the guys they want to build the club around in the future. And it's tough on the fans because they're going to lose a lot of games. They're going to lose 100 games or more for the first time since 1973. Uh, but I think people understand that uh, in the rebuild process, sometimes that's what you have to do. And you don't have to look any farther than the Astros, who lost over 100 games three years in a row on their way to building it back up. Yeah, I feel bad for Ranger fans because you're opening up a new ballpark. COVID hits. You can't have fans. I mean, it makes sense. But, you know, we really haven't seen too many times people open up a building and then go into a rebuild. But but you understand because of the circumstances. Yeah, exactly. And the fans are still coming out. I mean, we're averaging 27,000 a game. And on weekends, we're getting over 30,000 a night because people want to experience the ballpark. And when they come out, they enjoy it regardless of where the team is on the, in the standings. And the team's played well at home. You know, they're just a couple of games under 500 at home. So the games have been entertaining for the most part. And, you know, people are having a good time and they're coming back. How much fun did you guys have with the trading deadline? Because we just absolutely loved it, covered it. It was, it was like a magical day. Well, we were really excited, too, because it was just a question of, you know, who was going to make the best offer for our three guys. You know, we knew for sure that Gibson and Kennedy would get traded. We weren't sure if anybody would make a big enough offer for Joey Gallo. Uh, but clearly the Yankees did. And, you know, the, the prospects, they're just names to me. And I know they have ratings attached to them, which don't necessarily mean anything to me. Only one of the guys is in the big leagues now, Spencer Howard, who made his Ranger debut yesterday, the pitcher they got from the Phillies. Uh, there may be another guy uh come up before the season's over but there's a chance we won't see any of those six guys this year yeah well what do you think about what we did it's now a different lineup with what uh, david force and billy bean did 
Well, and fortunately now with Loriano gone, uh, it's a good thing that uh, Marte is here. You know, I haven't had a chance to see him very much as he's played in the National League his whole career, but uh, I've been following what he's been doing since coming over here and, and really looking forward to seeing him play. I'll, I'll tell you, we got far more athletic, we got faster, and we got guys that actually put the ball in play. You know, because the one thing that's been so tough with the A's is basically solo home runs and that was it. And you got a bunch of guys hitting 215, 220, bringing in these guys, and a Jan Gomes and a Josh Harrison. You brought in legit players, guys have been to all-star games, guys have won World Series rings. It just changed the dynamic, and it had to be done. Didn't know if they were going to be able to get it done, but it had to be done, especially now that we have no waiver wire process. Mm-hmm. It's, changed, it's changed how we do business. Right. Nobody's going to be adding anything of significance between now and the end of the season. So what you have now is, is what you're going to go with. And even in September now, you don't expand to 40 players. You just expand to 28. So you really are having to play with the team you've been given you know, at least on August 1st. How do you like that we got rid of the waiver wire process? You know, I'm not sure. There were so many interesting trades in August. And, of course, I'm not a guy who has to keep track of what might happen. That's not my job. And I yeah. know it, it's a lot easier on, on the writers and, and people who cover that sort of thing to not have to worry about that through the whole month of August up until that playoff eligibility deadline. Um, so, for me, it kept things more interesting to have it through August, but we've never had a July 30th like we had this year, so it, it may be worth the trade-off. Yeah, there's no Verlander with 10 seconds left going going to the exactly, Houston Astros. Exactly. <laughs> or even the Rangers, you know, in their two World Series years, uh, they always picked somebody up in August, and, you know, that was always exciting when your team's in the race and you're still able to add a guy. Yeah, you know, I, I look back at that, and, of course, we were rooting for you guys being American League people. It's just sad one of those teams didn't bring it home because those are really – and our buddy Wash, we love we love Wash. Yeah. It's kind of sad that that – it reminds you of certain teams, kind of like the Cleveland Indians. They had that run in the 90s. There are certain teams that were really good that you wish he was at least got one ring. Right, ultimately snake bit at the end. You know, and we felt really strongly that in 2011 the Rangers were a much better team than the Cardinals. In 2010, at least as good a team as the Giants and maybe, you know, on paper a better team. But uh, you have to play that way. And, well, the Rangers – actually did they just didn't catch a fly ball but uh, that's you know that's uh, water under the bridge and we all wonder as ranger fans how our lives would be different if nelson cruz had caught that fly ball well i gotta tell you it's just wonderful to be back in our office on the field here and yeah. seeing you guys traveling because most teams aren't traveling uh, what's the reaction when other broadcasters see you that they haven't seen you in a oh, year and a half? It's fantastic. And, and we haven't had them in our park except for Dan Dickerson of the Tigers. He's the only visiting broadcaster who's been to our park. I believe there are 12 teams that are traveling their radio guys now. Nobody's traveling their TV guys. But I think 12 of the 30 now are traveling the radio guys. And hopefully there'll be a few more jump on board before the season's over. And maybe next year we'll be really back to normal. Well, it's wonderful to see you. Great to see you, Chris. And we always appreciate having you on. Have a great call. Have a good time this weekend. Yeah. Hey, we're no matter what, what happens, we're back on the field. We're doing what we love. Right. Got two day games. And it's about Beautiful. being no- normal again. The weather's going to be fantastic. So yeah. have a great call. We'll see you throughout the weekend. Thanks. And Jan Gomes is going to join us here as we get ready for a little A's baseball as it's great to have him on for the first time. I'm Chris Townsend. I've been doing this show for years with the A's and just want to welcome you to the A's fan base. It's great to have you on the program. Well, I appreciate it. Do I stand up or sit down? You can do whatever you want. Well, we'll sit down. 
So I got to tell you, uh, we were all so excited when this trade was made. Uh, what you guys bring to the ball club? What was it like for you? No, I mean, obviously, sad probably leaving the Nats, sure. but now you're coming to a ball club where you have an opportunity to win. Yeah, anytime a, a ball club that's you know in a playoff contention and just like these guys are here, uh, wanting you and trading for you is always a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing from a career standpoint. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's a great clubhouse. Uh, I've gotten to play against some of these guys a lot. Uh, they weren't very fun to play against. <laughs> it's a, a bunch of good young guys. So, uh, yeah, um, um, leaving D.C. was uh, definitely sad. That, that last week was uh, kind of a weird week. We all kind of, like, had heard that trades were about to happen or we weren't sure what was going to happen. And uh, when you start seeing six or seven guys get traded all on the same day, uh, it's kind of a weird moment. But, um, you know, uh, now we're here. Uh, try to get this team to uh, – pushing them and uh, just do a uh, just got to follow suit uh, these guys are doing a great job already so a former coach of yours good friend of our program chip hale <laughs> we had him on once you guys were traded and you know the thing that we talked about about you guys coming over you're bringing championship pedigree you know what it's like to be at the top to win a world series what do you see in this a's ball club that you think can maybe get you to that point i think we're seeing the the because there's so many uh, of guys that have played together here um, and you're starting to see them all come together. And it's, you know, it's like it's that, that little hump. It's just, you just got to get over it. And then this next thing you know, this team is in the playoffs for a long time. I think this team's got the uh, capability of doing it our pitch, from our pitching staff to our bullpen and definitely the young core guys here. Uh, it's a, a really good ball club. They've smelt it before. They've been there. So it's just that, um, it's just that like, extra hump. Uh, we did it a couple of times when I was in Cleveland. Um, definitely in D.C. We just, you know, you got hot at the right time. And I think this is a, it's a dangerous club to play against. You know, when we talked to Chip, it, it was just, it was so odd that every, you know, so many guys, it's like you guys and the Cubs, so many guys were traded. What what was that like when all of a sudden, you know, you're looking around, everybody's getting dealt, Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, and now Dodgers. I mean, what was that whole situation like? Yeah, um, the, the last couple of days we were all um, kind of texting each other, uh, and we had the, that small COVID outbreak, so we we didn't play a couple of games. But we had a lot of time to talk, and uh, it, it was strange for sure. Um, it was um, it was a very tight knit group, uh, a lot of older guys, a lot of guys that uh, were on that 19 group. Uh, we had a great time, obviously, you know, winning the World Series, and um, but we we saw it. We saw the writing on the wall. Uh, we um, we got we kind of got told that last couple of weeks that uh, we had to do something or we were gonna trade because. A lot of free agents coming, and um, we um, obviously didn't play very well uh, that last week, and uh, we saw what happened. Well, you come over to Josh, and now with the news with Ramon Laureano, I think it just looms large that his versatility, you know, can he play second? He can play third. Now he's going to be out and left. Just talk about what he brings to the table every day. And I think he'll, he'll bring even more than that that you, probably, you guys probably won't see. Uh, the guy's a, a tremendous energy in the clubhouse. Devin brings a, a lot of fun, no matter how he's doing or what's happening. He's going to bring uh, that fun atmosphere to um, with himself, and uh, I think that's something that you always need in the clubhouse. You know, when I think about you and when a catcher gets traded to a new team, you've got a whole new <laughs> pitching staff, right? Yeah. And that's the thing about a catcher. Not only do you need to know the starters, you need to know the relievers. Take us through that process, how you're learning these A's pitchers, and what makes them tick. Yeah, um, well, the what makes them tick, I probably don't know just yet. I think that's going to take a couple uh, couple outings. and uh, But really, it's just uh, uh, communication, just being able to um, really just have 
open communication with them. I, uh, my main thing is like, hey, just let me know because I won't, you know, I've, you know, I've gotten to watch you guys, but I don't know what, you know, from a scout on the port, I, I can sit and read a paper and tell me how you pitch, but I want to know, you know, the guys and how they, you know, on the mound, can I have a conversation with you or, or do you guys, you know, like to be left alone? So uh, I think, um, you know, I've already kind of uh, started to build a little bit of a relationship with some of these guys, but um, I think within the next couple of days, uh, it's going to get better for sure. What's it like, uh, your manager, he's a former catcher too. Mm-hmm. How, how good is that? Oh, it, it, I think that part uh, is going to play uh, a, a huge factor. Uh, just having the uh, the open line of communication with, with him and Marcus and even Emo. Uh, these guys are uh, they're they're really good guys to talk to already, and I'm excited to just uh, get to learn from them. You know, very rare when you get traded – do you then have some days off at home, which <laughs> yeah. gives you so? T- I, I've been mentioning like this is big. Like you play in San Diego, sure. you have Monday off. You got to find a place to live. You play two games, mm-hmm. and you had yesterday off, mm-hmm. where you kind of get you know settled a little bit. How big were those days off for you? Uh, well, those days off are good because uh, you know the family's here. Uh, getting to enjoy some uh, some of the last week with them. Uh, my daughter will start school, so they'll be heading home way out east uh, in Tennessee. So. Uh, but this is going to be a hotel living for me. Uh, I'm not I'm trying to sign no lease or anything like that. I'm just going to try to stay in a hotel, having somebody clean my room when I when I'm not there. So uh, since my wife is not there, so uh, but really um, those days off are good. But uh, I also kind of want to spend some more time at the ballpark, uh, kind of get to know the guys. So uh, I'm excited for you know the road trip and um, just to get uh, even though we have another another off day coming up, but. Uh, just get some games in under my belt and uh, just getting to learn more and more from these guys. Well, I know you got to get to meetings, but I just want to tell you that th- this fan base is jacked right now. They uh, were so excited. Also, with Starling coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys bring all-star games and World Series rings, and we're just thrilled to have you here. And this is a sprint. I don't even want to talk wild card. It's about chasing down those absolutely, Astros. Absolutely, man. We're uh, we're not settling for the wild card. We're definitely uh, pushing the pushing the limit where it goes. Well, it's good to meet you. Good luck, and we'll talk to you later on during the season. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.